Lord watches as I scrub the mud blood from the back end of my boots, these boots that were new and shiny like sun on early mornings, as it tips steaming over eastern hills. And I think of him, how he polished them, and now dirt kicked, busted thread, this ache in the wrist, scrubbing the hand blood from this cuff, dust it with pollen, feathers sticky with sunrise, with old songs being crooned over tortillas, a talk of moon. I'm one of those poets that's not used to being asked questions about poetry because, you know, I'm not really in the literati scene, I guess, you know, being isolated uh, geographically. And, you know, uh, as they say, uh, I tend to play with the photographers or painters more sometimes, you know, <laughs> but. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, the time I was raised in Albuquerque between the 80s and 90s, it was a, I guess you say, more rural, inclusive city, very urbanized, but we have a huge forest that passes through the city uh, along the Rio Grande River. Uh, we have the Great West Mesa, where I grew up on with the Petroglyph National Monuments. Uh, we were surrounded by uh, the tribal reservations. I'm also a descendant of one of the Pueblos north of Albuquerque. So a really deep history connection. Um, I grew up with a father that he loved nature. And so we were always in the surrounding hills and mountains that are real close to Albuquerque and showing nature within the city. The city is just full of this kind of wildness, which is kind of strange because it just butts up right against the city and within the city, you know, and Albuquerque is famous for its intrusion, what they call intrusion of wildlife. Occasionally, you know, bears coming down. We have a possibly spotted wolf pack through the city, you know, which is unconfirmed. But growing up in that, that connection with the Pueblo and the city, there was always this, this connection with the earth because almost everything's adobe. And that was a, a big part of my life growing up as a youthful house or constructed of earth and a carried on tradition that was adopted from the Pueblo peoples in the area, you know, so growing up, you know, you're really connected with that. It's right there. You know, you look out on the West Mesa when I was young and it was completely undeveloped uh, landscape of cedar and wild sage and animals, especially the antelope and the wild sheep out there. And you got to see that, you know, unfortunately now the city has grown so large, it's displaced all of that, you know. So I think I was fortunate growing up to be able to witness, you know, nature coming to the edges. I think maybe more in middle school is when I started writing, uh, like really wanting to be a writer. Um, when I was younger, I was always told that I was a really good storyteller because when I was in elementary school, I was kind of like that strange little kid in the corner, yet I wasn't ostracized from my community. It was really neat. I was able to make up on a whim these crazy little stories by the swing set, you know, and people would just really get into that. And when I finally got to middle school, as I got older and entered, you know, into maturity, I joined a creative writing class and in seventh grade and she had us keep daily journals and it's where I got instilled with a kind of a writing ethic of doing daily free writes just to purge the mind of images or nonsense, you know, and I got really serious into that, but I started writing fiction at first. I really wasn't 
writing poetry, it was more like a collection of Rod Sterling inspired little short stories, you know, trying to be the next little Ray Bradbury, um, who I was really fascinated with, you know, early on. Um, coming to poetry didn't come about until about high school. And it was inspired by listening to, I guess, these seniors in this creative writing uh, group that they had after hours and how they inflexed their voice and the images. And it was real controversial because I went to a Catholic school and these young female poets were very, you know, feminist kind of poems with some violence discussing, you know, self-harm issues. And it just took me somewhere new and exciting and I just, out of curiosity, started pulling poetry books off the stacks in the library and just reading through them just and just being moved by how you could play with language, you know, where it can be one word sentences and stuff like that. And that's when I really got deep involved in the craft. Well, there's three. Uh, writers that have always been with me. Um, their voices have always influenced me. And I think the first one is one of the first poets I ever encountered incidentally through a, um, a fashion magazine, an article about her was Joy Harjo. Um, and I was about 13 years old when I came across this article. And it was fascinating because it was talking about her background, being an indigenous woman, a lesbian, um, an, a musician. And She Had Some Horses was one of the most pivotal collections I ever read. It was shocking and that language could be so beautiful. Um, also, to the poet Ai Ogawa, uh, she wrote under the pen name Ai. Uh, her name was actually Florence Anthony, I believe. Um, but her collections, Cruelty and Sin and The Killing Floor and Vice, were very dark collections, and it was amazing to me that someone was able to write openly about really dark subject matters, sexual abuse, rape, drug addiction, suicide, and she did it from a character's perspective with this very lush language, these very descriptive images, and she was real bold and unafraid, you know, to break those boundaries, so she really influenced me. And the search for language came by from the novelist Deborah Magpie Erling. Uh, she wrote a collection called Perma Red. And she threw me, basically her writings like grabbing me by the throat and throwing me through a plate glass window. It was so amazing the way that she was able to just describe things to the point where I wasn't reading about them. I was being shown them and these scenes that were so descriptive. So those three ladies have been like great influence on my writing pretty much my whole writing life. And I do find myself going back to them over and over again, you know, picking up their collections, because it just, it's astonishing to me, you know, that the way they were able to construct language together and it really influenced me about breaking sentences apart and putting images of butt to each other that may be conventionally in a writing scenario, compositions such that would be unacceptable. You know, but I really got into their esoteric way of writing. I think my language has evolved. Um, focusing on a, parsing my language a little bit more than from the poems from UC and Ditchwater, which are a little bit longer, maybe uh, visually more fleshed out. Um, these poems, the new collection just came 
with the last couple of years, basically, uh, more of trying to uh, be more concise with my images and more of a snapshot kind of related to photography. I've been doing a lot of photography and studies on that. So I think these poems kind of naturally fell with that, especially the middle selection of uh, sand, the more looser texture, you know, working with space on the page in a way, but more reflecting how these poems come to me when I'm composing. I've always explained it, you know, kind of a, 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 a kooky way of saying it, but it's like the images are coming through a smoke or like a fog, similar to memory. You know, they might not be complete, but the lines, and so they take on this physicality as I would see them in my mind. And I try at my best to translate that to the page, you know, and for these particular poems in the, in the center section of the collection, it they came together that way as like these scattered shot kind of memories of experience, if you will. You know, so they were mined from that. And when I look back at my experiences and my memory, it's not always complete. It's like Polaroids, short snapshots coming through the fog of whatever I've forgotten in the background, you know, and the images, those moments that just appear. I'm a big fan of alliteration. Um, it's very difficult. I've worked with alliteration through my work for a while. and. Most of the work I've done for that has been very unsuccessful, flat, you know, convoluted, you know. Um, but as I worked with language, they kind of came naturally without being forced. And I think that was what my problem was, was I was trying to force alliteration instead of just allowing the image to take on the structure itself, you know. And so some of these moments where the sounds come together was not necessarily intentional. It wasn't until I read him back that I would hear. And so maybe I don't know why that my ear is just so attached to sounds like that snapping together. Um, I think it works in this collection, but like I said, previous poems, it just, it just falls apart, you know, but I love the texture of sounds because I think it helps emulate the image. Maybe it brings the texture to the reader's mind, the taste, the smells that the voices in these poems are experiencing, you know, and I think it, it meshes in with that, you know, with the sounds, it brings that texture. I think uh, it was a, a kind of a difficult poem to compose, uh, you know, uh, with this collection, was playing with language and mining memory and experience, but uh, on page nine, sifting through silt, we nibble with our fingers, ghost, smeared white, trace the linear starlight that comes in angles, edges, spheres, glowing this toothless mid-afternoon, jaw wired with the spit, the numb dust, rotting teeth, mean old jackal, spitting mad, steering cattle since he was yay high, this dust, glittering, traffic lights, Thrahos smoke thin, bobo del oro, some would say, eating the last of the corn, the sweet golden corn, the one from winters where trees bent to eat at our breath. This dirt we gather in our mouths, looking north like Orion fading into cloud bank. 
Well, Ima Press, uh, of course, is um, the the chief publisher for there is Lorenzo Herrera y Lozano. He's uh, my editor as well as my publisher. Um, they are a queer uh, Chicano press initially, queer Chicano press. Now they've expanded with an imprint for uh, by POC, you know, POC uh, poets um, and queer poets of uh, all colors, basically, you know, either probably the only publisher that's ever given me serious attention. Uh, the collection, like Ditchwater, has been submitted to so many contests and publishers, you know, it's racked up its decade-long, you know, field experience, I would say, battle experience, you know, uh, before Karima Press uh, was really interested in it and taking that forward. And I'm so appreciative of them for believing in my work and presenting it in such a with giving me more control over the work and allowing me to present it as I feel best to present my work, you know, to a readership, you know, with you know, very little control. They were, they gave so much power to their authors, you know, to be able to work. They work with you and they push you, but the final collection is presented how, you know, the poet wanted it, you know, so I'm really appreciative of their support and their ongoing support of asking me to see if, you know, I was willing to submit a manuscript for consideration. And fortunately they found worth in Broken Mesas and accepted it for publication, kind of getting delayed because of the pandemic and other things that came up in the last couple of years. Um, it was initially intended to come out in 2018. Um, but unfortunately because of, big circumstances, you know, in the publishing world uh, with patience, <laughs> you know, it got delayed. But I can't say any more good things about Kurima Press. You know, they've taken on voices that I think are very important um, that should be on bookshelves. All the fellow press authors that they have published are amazing, you know, and are very inspiring to me. Like in the current poet, like Joe Jimenez and Dino Fox, their um, work is amazing to me. Um, it's powerful queer voices, you know, that I wish were on the bookshelf in the stacks in my college and high school. And I think that's what I'm so appreciative that I get to join the bookshelves, you know, with my work, you know, hopefully one of these days, you know, maybe inspire another young student, you know, who can pick it up.